Well, a couple shout-outs of congratulations are in order this morning. So our Weibo football stars around here headed to the state title game. Where's our Weibo crowd? So congratulations, Josh Benson, Josiah Smith, two players, the Bensons and Smiths. Uh, both have a boy on the team. Weibo's playing for back-to-back -back state titles next Saturday at 12 noon. So cheering you on, Weibo. And congrats to Carmel. Also, where's our Carmel families? All right, we've got like, you know, Carmel, it's a way of life in Carmel. You just go to the state title game like every year. Isn't that how it works? But Carmel's in the state title game as well, so wish them luck next Saturday night. And then last night, I had the privilege of officiating a wedding for this couple. You guys know their family well, so let's see. This is Jordan and Ashley Willox, now Ashley Hayes, so you know Ed and Robin Hayes. Any of the Hayes family here today? I think they went long into the night last night, so probably not here today, but maybe watching online. Shout out to them. So Ashley, I think it's the final Hayes child that has gotten married, so we've got the whole Hayes contingency married, but great young couple. We were downtown at the Cyrus place last night, and several Eagle families were a part of that, so congratulations, Jordan and Ashley. Wish you the best in this next chapter as well. So also, there's someone who joins us every week via online, and it's a pretty special connection. So Sally Meyer's son, Clint, here's a picture of Clint, and this is Clint serving in the Middle East. He's been there for 11 months, and so uh, I had a FaceTime chat with him this week, and Clint described how it's not just a literal desert where he's serving, but it's also a spiritual desert. It's really tough ground for him to find others to link up with and worship. So guess what his church body and church service is week after week? See there? Sitting on his bed where he's at right now. So I want us to give a really loud eagle shout out and round of applause for Clint. We love you. We're with you, brother. You're not alone, Clint. You're not alone. Thank you for your faithful service, and we love you. We're with you in spirit, and if, if he comes to mind, just pray for him, and he's about to come home on home assignment. He told me kind of mid-January-ish or so we might start seeing his face show up here, so won't that be great to see him? And Sally, we're praying for you as a mother through all this as well, but Clint just appreciates having kind of the spiritual lifeline that our live stream provides. And I think I just want to give another shout out to the crew that comes in every week bright and early. They sit up there in the tech booth. You know, Clint couldn't stay connected the way he's staying connected if this crew didn't show up bright and early week after week doing the work that they do. So can we give it up for our tech crew back there? You guys are awesome. Our online hosts and our live stream people. So thanks for being a part of that. All right, open up your Bibles. John chapter 7. John chapter 7, I've entitled this morning, The Posture of Advent. Anybody want to take a guess at the largest river in the world? Students, this would make your teachers feel so good if you had a really appropriate, it's not the White River, let me like get that out of the picture, right? The largest river in the world, the, oh, the Nile, close, the Amazon River. Here's a picture of the Amazon River. It embodies the water flow of the Nile, the Mississippi, and the Yanges River all in one. It occupies over 30% of the landmass of South America. Let's give you a picture of the scale of this river. So there's the state of Texas inside. So the Nile flows through all of that part. So you could put multiple states of Texas, give you a picture of the size and scale of this river. 
So back in the European settler days when they were just discovering land masses, the ships would come up to the mouth of the Nile River and they would get lost in the 90-mile-wide opening. Can you get your minds around 90-mile-wide opening to the river? The ships would come up from the saltwater open ocean waters and they'd be looking for fresh water to resupply and to survive. And they would get lost in the opening of the river, believing they were still out in the open ocean saltwater. And the supplies would keep running low and get lower, and eventually they were running out of fresh water. And the thirst factor was going up, and the desperation factor was this. And they said that the natives would eventually row out to them in their canoes. The natives would row out. Can you picture this? So there's this settler's ship out there with these sailors on it, desperate for fresh water. And these natives would roll out in their canoes, and the the sailors would try to flag them down desperately, like, we're looking for water. Give us some water. And they said that the natives would start laughing, and they would lean over their canoe and take their hand. Because they didn't realize the water that they were longing for, they'd been floating in for days. So church, we're about to turn the calendar into a season of the year called Advent. And I want you to picture Advent as a season for the thirsty. I want you to imagine Advent and enter into this season like a canoe full of natives rowing out to us on the seas of life and calling us to take our hand and dip it into the waters of grace that's surrounding all about us. This is that time of year where we get to pause, hopefully, at least the invitation in the church scene is we want to take a time and we want to pause and remember that the light of the world has come. So these are the four weeks of preparation to prepare us for Jesus' entry on Christmas Eve that we'll celebrate together. And it's centered around four themes of hope, love, peace, and joy. And the word is rooted in a Latin word, adventus, and it means coming or arrival. So what we do during this time of year is we look back and we remember that God promised the Messiah would come. And the people of God waited and yearned and longed for Him to come. And God delivered on His promise. Now, He delivered on it differently than they expected, and it took much longer than they anticipated which is a pretty accurate commentary on life, is it not? In all the ways that we're longing for God to come through and we're waiting for His promise to be fulfilled, maybe you come in this morning right in that space of you know God has given you a promise, you know it's been a clear leading, you know this is His heart and His will, but you continue to wait in that space of longing and of yearning. Welcome to Advent. It's a place for the thirsty. And then simultaneously, we look ahead during Advent, and we remember this, that in the same way Jesus entered the world when he ascended in Acts chapter 1, he said, the same way you see me exit, one day I will return again. So Advent says, don't forget, don't forget, God will be faithful to his promise that one day he will return, and he'll set all that's wrong in this world, he'll set it right. Welcome to Advent. 
And so this morning what I want to invite us to do is I want to give us kind of two qualities of a posture to maximize this season and over these four weeks. Because we're going to structure our four weeks ahead around each of the four themes of Advent. And we'll help lead you through when we're together in this setting some activities and exercises that you'll be able to also do outside of this setting. And next week we begin with the theme of hope and then we follow with the theme of peace and then with joy and then we end with love. So open up your Bibles if you haven't already done so. Pull out your message notes. John 7, here's the posture of Advent that Jesus offers us Jesus stood, verse 37, and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. So the first quality here of of the posture of Advent is to relinquish what I'm calling achiever and to embrace receiver. Now stay with me here to embrace the receiver. Now, Jesus understood the connection between water and life so well. Being in the Middle East, in a very desert setting, if you found water, you found life. If you found flowing water, you found sustainable life. So Jesus connects now this desperation that the people would have just to find places of flowing water, and he points to himself. And he says, I am going to offer you something that you could never produce or manufacture in and of yourself. It's the invitation from Jesus to be a receiver. The kind of life Jesus offers us and Advent season reinforces is not a life we can just white knuckle and accomplish ourselves. Which is pretty tough for those of you who are in the high achiever high accomplishment, right? Maybe you grew up in an environment where you received approval and affirmation simply by performing and achieving. And Jesus comes and says, loosen the grip on that way of life of trying to achieve what you've always been looking to achieve. I look back on my 20s and 30s and I go, I lived my 20s like I was never going to make it to 30. And I lived my 30s like I was never going to make it to 40. And it has the ambition and the drive and the, like it just, it just gets ingrained to us. And now getting through my 40s and now I'm 50 and you just, it doesn't, it doesn't ever kind of work its way out. It's still a battle where you think you can like achieve and accomplish and produce and create something that Jesus gives us a picture in John 7. Actually, you got to loosen your grip on that and you need to enter into this receive. The life you're really looking for is a received life. You receive grace, you receive hope, you receive joy, you receive peace, you receive forgiveness. Scientists say that they've discovered we have a brain in our gut. They call it our reptile brain. Those of you scientists in the room, you probably did all kinds of studying about this. They said there are neurons in our digestive tract. And we all know this because when we're going through a time in our life where we've got piles of anxiety and uncertainty, we have a saying like, we might not have eaten for several hours, but we, what do we say? We, we've lost our appetite. We don't have any desire to eat because we're so anxious and wound up. That's our reptile brain speaking. Or some of you are are heading into a situation where you're so nervous about whatever it is you're staring at that you say you've got this knot in your stomach. We use that phrase, right? We just got this thing in the pit of our stomach. 
Or they're saying butterflies. We say that kind of thing. That's our, our reptile brain. That's the neurons on the inside of our digestive tract. It's in that space. Jesus says in that space, in the inmost space, in the core, in the belly, in the reptile brain, Jesus says he's come to give and impart the kind of life you and I could never achieve on our own. You simply receive it. You receive this life. And so the muscles we're going to work over the 24 days of Advent starting next Sunday, we're just going to kind of collectively exhale the achiever posture. We're going to exhale the accomplishing, creating, producing, white-knuckling ambition our way through. We're going to exhale on ambition for 24 days. And we're going to inhale, we're going to receive this stream of living water. We're going to be like the natives in South America in the canoe. We're going to take our hand and dip it into the waters of grace that are surrounding us and find the life we've really been longing for. So that's the first quality of the posture of Advent, to lay down achiever and to embrace receiver. Second quality, notice back in verse 37 when he says, if anyone is thirsty. Notice that. Thirst precedes drink. You generally aren't going to be pursuing, like Jesus is talking about, a, a, a water filling unless there's a thirst there at the, coal, at the core. So I call this second quality to pay attention to this ache of incompleteness that we all live with. We all experience this ache somewhere in our lives. And Isaiah 55 is, a, is probably the, the best ache of incompleteness text that I could recall. Isaiah 55 says it this way, Come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. I picture Jesus probably had this text in mind when he's standing in John 7. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me, and eat what is good, and your soul will delight in the richest affair. Isaiah wrote that 700 years before Jesus entered on the scene. And do you see how that addresses the kind of, hey, lay down the achiever posture. You've been spending your money on what's not bread. You've been laboring on what doesn't satisfy. Why don't you come to the stream of living water and receive this life you've really been looking for? So church, are you thirsty during this Advent season? Advent is a season for the thirsty. Advent doesn't have a lot to say to folks who aren't thirsty at the core of their being. Are you thirsty for hope this time of year? Are you thirsty for light to come into whatever darkness you're working through personally or in those around you? Are you thirsty for that? Are you thirsty for peace? Are you thirsty for God's shalom to come into that overwhelming anxiety that just seems to jump on top of you and, and have its grip on your heart and won't let go? Are you thirsty for something to be different? That's peace. That's Jesus' peace. Or how about are you thirsty for joy like the old hymn said, it is well, it is well with my soul. Are you thirsty to be able to sing that from the reptile brain, from the inmost place? Are you thirsty for love? that you're known, that you're accepted, 
that the Father's face is turned towards you with unconditional and eternal love? Are you thirsty for that? Reach your hand over your canoe and dip down into the waters of this grace. This season is set for the thirsty. Because have you noticed in life that no matter how good maybe a particular thing is in life, maybe you have a great marriage, no matter how great your marriage is, have you noticed it just has kind of a lining of incompleteness to it at times? Or maybe you have a wonderful career and you couldn't be better on the marketplace these days. Have you noticed that in the career front, even no matter how great that career is, there's just times where at the end of the day on a Friday, there's just a lining of incompleteness. Or go down the list, health or ministry or finances, whatever it is, there's this ache of incompleteness. I like how Kerry Newhoff put it in his book, his most recent book, and he said it this way. Most of us have this notion that once, here's what he said, that once I get to a certain place or achieve a certain thing, life will truly start in full and I'll finally be happy and whole. It just doesn't work that way. You graduate, but you find there's something inside you that says there has to be more. You find that one, you get married, you have kids, and it's great, but still, what's that thing inside you that says there must be more? You land a great job, and then a career job, and then your dream position, but still, there's a quiet but real gnawing inside that says, it's not all you imagined it to be. You pick different markers then as you get older, time off, vacation, savings goals, keep going, and before you know it, you've convinced yourself retirement will fill the hole nothing else has been able to fill. It's quite the game. That's the ache of incompleteness. That's Carrie Newhoff tapping on this, right, this thirst in the inmost place, in the belly. That's this time of year where Jesus says, will you come into this season? Will you enter into it, not thinking you're going to accomplish and achieve a bunch of stuff during this time of year, but would you just kind of exhale all of that and inhale this receiving posture? The verse after this says it's by the Holy Spirit that he brings the stream of living water. That the Spirit then comes to the thirsty and says, I know that ache is there. And I have a sense that, have you noticed this with God, that he never quite us, lets us get our life like all settled and set? Do you notice this with God? Like, especially if you really want to work hard and you want to get the home front and the work front and the finance front and the ministry front and the health front and the, all this. You want to get all those things like set just right. And just about that time, like one plate drops and two plates drop or, or another picture was it's like everyone just gets set and then God blows the whistle and everyone jumps out of the pool. Have you noticed this with God? Like you never just get it quite all set. I think that's God's way of keeping us thirsty of yearning for that true stream of living water. I think if we got life so comfortable and settled here that we'd lose our longing for what this time of year is pointing us toward. I think it's part of God's invitation to see you're really not made for this place. We're a temporary residency here. Our, our true home is with Him in heaven, and, and we're longing for that home, and we celebrate and enjoy His gifts of grace here, but there's always going to be this lining of incompleteness, this unsettledness that things aren't just quite the way they're supposed to be. And if instead of resisting that and trying to like white-knuckle it and fix all of that stuff, if we just kind of settle in and say, you know what, could it be Jesus is coming to me? 
to offer me something this time of year that I couldn't accomplish or create on my own? Could it be that ache on the inmost place is propelling us towards like those sailors sitting in the open waters longing for fresh water and they didn't even realize they were just sitting right in the puddle of it. I think that sometimes God say, hey Simpson, you're just like those sailors out there. You're dying of thirst and the water's all around you. Dip your cup of your life down in that water and drink. And so practically, here's how we're going to try to help you this, this time of year. So practically on an individual front, how are we going to maximize and reinforce receiver posture and drink the living waters? So every day starting December 1st, you're going to receive in your inbox early morning a scripture with a little guidance around it. Not super long, probably something to get done in two, three minutes. And the goal is for you to individually pause somewhere in the early part of your day and simply receive from Jesus whatever he is wants to give you. We're going to try to center those scriptures around the theme. So next week, we'll start next Sunday with the theme of hope, and then all week long, you're going to get scriptures kind of centered around the theme of hope. And just encourage you, take a moment, pause, reflect, and receive that way from Jesus. And then corporately and collectively around here, I want we're going to gather every seven days through Advent, culminating on Christmas Eve, and we're going to purposely do some things in our worship service that some of you have been around here for a while, you've seen us before, but for those of you who are newer, we're going to have an Advent wreath set up, and it's purposeful, and we'll be talking about that. Um, we're going to do a, a creed together during the Advent season to reinforce the significance of the message. The team's prepared wonderful music all along. We're also going to do like a, a video profile of different fam a different family each week, we're going to go into their homes and we're going to have them share of how they're trying to keep Jesus at the center of this season in the midst of everything that kind of pulls at us during this time of year. So I say all that to say I think it'll be a really meaningful time for you to think about those in our lives who maybe it's time to extend a hand and make an ask and say, why don't you come and be a part of our Advent season? And maybe you in your own life remember when perhaps Advent wasn't really a part of your Christmas celebration and how much more meaningful it is now on this side, having a relationship with Jesus. You know, there's people all around us at work, those that we live around, those we're on the soccer field and ball fields with, like there's just people all around us. And would you just pray intentionally? And I want to encourage us to be a little more courageous and a little more bold this time of year and extend an invite to some folks who aren't connected to this time of year in a way that we're trying to connect the dots for folks. And so here's a graphic for our time of year. Our tech, or our graphics team, Michelle, has done a great job working with some artists. So that's, what, that's the visual for this time of year. You're going to receive electronically, and we're going to do some printed uh, like business card size invites too. They're going to be out in the, in the uh, guest area as well in the weeks ahead, and you're going to receive this electronically on your invite. Just ways for you to kind of opportunity for you to invite those around you, and we'll culminate it Christmas Eve, 7 o'clock on Christmas Eve together, so to kind of build in this rhythm all through the year, individually and collectively. Amen. Team, why don't you come on up as I kind of lead us to the communion table off of this. So in just a moment, as the team comes, we're going to dismiss and have some communion together, and 
I just thought this was an appropriate way to kind of um, put into practice the two po points of the posture, the two qualities of the posture of Advent. But I want to invite us to the tables today as a community of receivers. I want you to kind of picture yourself like the natives, kind of rowing your life over to the tables in a sense. You're going to row the canoe of your life over to the table. And you're going to dip down into the waters of grace that Jesus has set for you through his broken body and his shed blood. And all along the way with each step towards the table, you lay down and you exhale achiever. You step off the treadmill of trying to produce and accomplish the kind of life that Jesus said he's made available to you. The life you've really been looking for is this table's been set for you to receive it. And specifically, maybe under the banner of hope and peace and joy and love, maybe there's an infusion of that by his spirit that he can bring. And then to also bring an honesty about the ache of incompleteness. There's no doubt some things in all of our lives that are just not the way we would long for them to be, not the way they're supposed to be in all of our lives. There's something like that. And we lay that down at this table and ask Jesus to come into that space. And in the inmost place, bring what only he can bring. And so around here, um, these tables are, you don't have to be a member of Eagle. You don't have to be a regular attender here. But the scriptures are clear. You need to be a follower of Jesus. So this is your opportunity. In just a moment, I'm going to pray for us. The team will lead us through a sequence of songs. The prayer benches will be open on each side. So if you'd like prayer uh, for something going on in your life, Scott Granati, one of our elders, will be over there, and I'll be over on this side. And you can just come over. We'll be glad to pray with you. Or if you just want some personal space, you can use the benches on your own that way. And the way we do it around here is individuals and family units, some of you in life groups together, some of you uh, families together, some of you want to do it on your own. We just kind of stand and we go to the tables together, and then they just spread out all around the room. And it's just our little, this is kind of the eagle style way we do communion. We just want to create a, a sacred space for people to connect with Jesus and receive this kind of life. As we tear off the bread, representing his broken body, and we dip it into the juice, representing his shed blood, we do so in remembrance of him. It's an act of worship for us. There are gluten-free options at the smaller tables on both sides as well for those of you needing that. So let's stand together. I'm going to pray for us, and then you'll be dismissed to the tables. Jesus, thank you for the invitation of this time of year to come. We hear that invitation. Come, all you who are thirsty. Are you thirsty today, church? Have you come in thirsty? Thirsty for hope? Thirsty for peace? Thirsty for joy? Thirsty for love? Have you come thirsty? Come to the table. It's set for you. And receive his life. Jesus, I pray you know where each one personally as you see every circumstance and situation and would you just, what John said when you talked about, if we'll come to you and we're thirsty, that streams of living water just flow from within. Would you meet us in the inmost place as we receive life from you. We do this as an act of worship in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed to the tables.